If you have an interest in horses and love learning more about horses, the horse industry, teaching, or even managing your own horse business, then you're in the right place. We would love you to join us on our mission, which is to improve the lives of horses around the world through the education of riders, handlers, and trainers. So get comfortable, listen in, and enjoy. This is another of our popular Listener's Choice interviews, which we're playing over the weekend. We've chosen the most popular interviews for you to select the Listener's Choice winner. If you're not sure how the Listener's Choice competition works, have a look at horsechats.com slash choice for the rules and the leaderboard. Today's chat's been brought to you by International Horse College. International Horse College's motto is people safety and horse welfare, and you'll find this message throughout our chats. Registered Training Organisation number 31352. Today I'd like to introduce you to Julianne Humphreys, who's an eventing specialist coach. She's also a professional three-day event rider and runs a professional facility in Batemans Bay in New South Wales. How are you today, Julianne? I'm well, Glenys. Thank you. Great. How are you? Oh, really good. Yep. <laughs> okay, Julianne, um, today we usually start people off with their favourite quote. So what's your favourite quote? Well, mine's a little bit different to what you, the traditional that you'd hear from a riding coach, but I think you can spread this right across, you know, anything you do. Mm-hmm. And I always say play the hand you dealt. Okay. You so often see people trying to do things that they – my husband says they might be getting their ambitions and their capabilities mixed up. <laughs> or, you know, in my particular, my hand that I've been dealt, I'm not your traditional come from the riding family, born on the property where the horses were put under you and provided all the gear and facilities from the get-go. So I had to really play the hand I was dealt. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I've gotten it this far so far. You're doing a pretty good job so far. Yeah, yeah. Tell us, yeah, yeah. Just go on and tell us then how you actually started, you know, because if you didn't start off, you know, riding before you could walk, what actually introduced you to horses? What were your first memories? Okay, so it was early, but um, so for me, I was born wanting to ride and wanting to be around horses, born with the love and passion for horses. But to this day, my parents wouldn't know which end to put the hay in. <laughs> so it started with when I was a little tiny toddler, little tiny child. I was in hospital more often than not. You know, people sort of try and make you happy because you're getting a bit depressed in hospital. And, mm. and they oh, what would you like, love? And I told my pa that I wanted a pony. <laughs> <laughs> Now, I can remember a long time back, and I I had visions of them walking a pony into the children's ward, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and I can actually remember seeing my grandparents coming in, and they presented me with a big pink bunny, <gasps> and I howled, <laughs> <laughs> and they went, oh my God, what's wrong? And I said... I wanted a pony. <laughs> and, of course, the next Christmas, what should turn up on the doorstep at home is a pony. Oh, that's so, great. So, yeah, I've got my, my grandpa to thank for starting me in horses, yeah. Mm. And what were you then, about three or four? Yes, I was three. I was three. I was actually just, a, yeah, I was three years old. Okay. And so was the pony, unfortunately. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> he, he wasn't the world's best child pony, but... I learned stickability. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. 
and they really found out I had the passion to keep going. <laughs> yeah, I suppose that would have been a test, wouldn't it? Oh, it sure was. Yeah, yeah you're yeah. either in or you're out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, how long did you have that pony for? What was your next horse? Well, uh, his name was Charchi, <laughs> mm-hmm. and I kept Charchi for 10 years. Even though he bucked like a champion, I loved him dearly, and I wouldn't part with him until a lovely family, actually, on the south coast here, the Innes family, they put me on a really nice, well-educated pony because they couldn't stand watching me hit the deck all the time. <laughs> and I guess I found out what it is like to sit on a nice pony, and I was competing all up and down the coast for about four years by the time I decided to sell my little Charchi. So, yeah, 10 years I stayed with him. Uh, I was well outgrown him by the time I sold him. But um, he, I was able to educate him a little better by the time I'd sold him. So it was, yeah, it was good. It's certainly persistence for you, isn't it? It certainly paid off in the long run. Absolutely. If I was going to get frightened and stop, it would have happened straight away. Yep, yep. <laughs> All right, then from going from Chachi, you know, it was your first pony, keeping him for 10 years, that's a bit of a jump still to have a career with horses. So how did you start that? Well, I guess when, you know, you're, you're getting into your teenage years, uh, you know, there's people telling you, oh, by the time you're 16, you'll find boys and forget all about horses and all of this, you know. I guess you become more focused than ever, and I certainly did. And by the time I was 14, nine months, I had a strapper's licence. And they wouldn't let me ride work back then, you know, but I found a really nice gentleman that was training some very good racehorses at the time out of Kembla Grange, and he got my first strapper's licence for me. By the time I was 15, I was working full-time. Not in horses, though, because uh, back then they didn't pay real well, especially if you were only 15 years old. Mm -hmm. And so I was just working any job I could find around town. I found a traineeship, which was good because it taught me business studies and so forth. And that was to fund my eventing. And so I was, at that age, I'd started eventing. And by 17 years of age, I was working full-time with horses and eventing. Even by that stage, gone into a pony club coaching certificate because I wasn't 18 to be able to get a professional coach's certificate. So I Yeah, it was a pony club coach's certificate. Yeah. Just going back, because some people are going to listen to this and say, well, what's a strapper? Can you just briefly go over what a strapper does? Oh, what's a strapper? Mm. Yeah, sure. When you're at the races, the person that has the uh, little tunic on with their horse's number and they're walking the horse around the mounting yard, parading the horse around the mounting yard, that person is the strapper. Okay. so that that person... Yeah, they don't just get to do the parading it around the yard. They actually do all the work yep, yep. <laughs> at home and, and on the day. Yeah. Okay. okay. So that, that's what you, that's the license I held from, yeah, from the, that was my first job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that 14 years, nine months, was that the minimum age? Yes. Yep. Yep. Yes. So. Yes. I was one of the youngest and even girls were few and far between then. Yes, yes. All right. Now, you've shown that you've got persistence, okay, and you've shown that you've got the passion. What other skills do you think you needed to commence in a career with horses? Well, I… 
What, what do you think about people, you know, because everyone wants to work with horses, but what do you think for the people that go in and stay working with horses? Because a lot of people come in, work for a week yeah. or two and go, oh, this is not for me. But the people that stay with it, what do you think they've got? I think the people that stay with it are the people that are really focused. Yep. They have the desire. They, they are focused on what they want to do, what they want to achieve out of being with horses. They absolutely enjoy being re- around horses to the degree that they don't want to be anywhere else. And they're tough. Yep. They're tough in every way. They're tough emotionally, physically, mentally. I don't think you make it in this industry without those ingredients. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the ones that don't have those ingredients are the ones that you see, you know, they fall by the wayside. Yep. yep. Go and do something else. Yeah. All right. Now, I want you to think of the best riders you know. What do you think the keys to excelling in the career are? Excelling, doing well, you know, staying in it for mm. a long time, being the best ones in the world. What do you think they've got? Well, I guess on that note, I'm extremely fortunate because I've rubbed shoulders with some of the best and spent quite a bit of time with some of the best. And what they say just glues in your head. Mm -hmm. And, you know, one of the best in my mind, and I'm sure some people will agree, is Chris Burton. Yep. And, you know, when he... I say, oh, Chris, can you grab a texture and just scribble on the back of my, you know, this little kid's T-shirt, you know, yeah, yeah. write your name on their T-shirt for him. And he's always too happy to do that. And he writes underneath it, never give up. <laughs> That's what he writes on there, yep, you know. Yep, yep. And then Mr. Lavis, Mr. Yep. Neil Lavis. Yes. Uh, you know, these guys are living legends in our sport and we're so fortunate to have them. And Mr. Lavis, you know, one of his things that he lived by especially when it comes to his eventing and jumping fences and so forth, you know, like because these people are still made of flesh and blood. They're not made of anything different to mm. you and I. Mm. And he goes, throw your heart over and follow it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And um, you'll watch him say that to someone and you'll see them take a hold of that and never let it go. Then you start to see every event afterwards, their writing's improving. Yes. It's just beautiful. Yep. That's, yep. Yeah. So they're, they're two riders that are just amazing, and we're just so lucky to have them in our sport. Mm, yeah. Mm, mm. All right. You've talked about Chris Burton, Neil Lavis, other people who've helped you, you and influenced you and changed your life, you know, given you something to hang on to that's made you go on and be successful, you know, to go on be a professional coach, um, professional three-day event rider as well. What's made you hold yeah. on? Who's influenced you? As far as my riding is concerned, mm-hmm. you know, it's definitely been Miss Lavis and Chris Burton. Okay. Um, but then of late, I've been working with a wonderful coach and rider of young dressage horses. And, you know, she rides them right up into the Grand Prix levels. And her name's Nina Boyd from Canberra. She's a pure dressage coach and rider. I went to her at one stage when I needed some direction. Mm-hmm. And she got a hold of me and basically sort of reeled me back and said, look, remember how you, you know, this is what you do to put your event together, to put your dressage test together. And, you know, and she, I guess she pulled out the key ingredients that had gone a bit fuzzy for me over the years, you know. 
just simple tips like the way you learn your test, you get on your horse and you ride the first piece of your test on the first week of training. Mm-hmm. Ride the second piece of your test once you've got the first piece down pat. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. if you do that on each horse, then when you get to the event on the day, you get on that particular horse and ride that particular test and you've got each piece of that test sewn up. Yep. You don't get on the horse and go, oh, crap, which horse am I on and which test am I meant to do yes. on it? Yes. <laughs> and freak out and think you need a brain scan. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, she was amazing at just, as I say, giving me that direction, yes. you know, with her. And uh, I guess as far as my writing's concerned, yeah, it's definitely been those three key people have helped me along the way to, to be able to do what I've done so far. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What about your horses? You've told us about Chachi. What other horses do you think have been key to influencing your career? Oh, it's it's a really amazing question when people ask that because, of <laughs> course, you walk into your tack room and you've probably got a good half a dozen or more on the wall mm. that deserve to be there. And then I guess the one that was the big turning point for me was Kyanga, mm-hmm. owned by Neil Lavis. Okay. He, I guess... Mr. Lovis got me going on him and I took him all the way up to one star and he was placing all the way up to one star, winning and placing. And then Shane Rose got on him and went, wow, this horse is really nicely educated and took him all the way to the shortlist of the Olympics. Mm -hmm. And for me, what I did then was I came home and I got another horse and I applied all the same methods into into another horse and another horse and another horse. And strangely enough, they're all going in the same direction. You know, there's another horse that's gone two star and then there's another one star and another two star and they'd all go up through the grades. And it wouldn't matter what they're breeding or what the shape and size to a degree, (laughs) they'd all go up through the grades and you start to go, oh, hello, I'm onto something. (laughs) I might be sort of getting the point here, you know, start getting half handy at your craft. So, um, yeah, but Kyanga was the one, he was the first one that, I guess, yeah, after him, that I sort of went, oh, look, look what I can do. Yeah. (laughs) Good, good. Yeah. What about your proudest moment? What's that been? For me, you know, it's not like I've won a gold medal and I've been on a podium or anything like this. You know, it's all very ground level, very grassroots. And I think for me, what makes me most happy and most proud is when the likes of Shane or Chris, you know, they get on your horses and they go, gee, this is really nicely educated. Mm, 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 You know, you've done a nice job schooling this. Or your coach says, yeah, you rode well. That was a good ride. You did a good job there. I love being a student and a coach. I love being both. Mm -hmm. I'll never let go of being both. I'll always be a student. I'll always be a coach. And so, therefore, you know, it makes me so happy and so proud. Like, it really just makes your day and makes you love your job so much when you then see your riders achieve their goals. Mm, mm. You know, whether it's as grassroots as a 50-year-old man doing his first ever one-day event and you see him cross the finish line and he's gone clear and he's got a smile from ear to ear. Yep, yep. Yep. Or it's a little tiny kid that's gone around, you know, their little dressage test or something, you know, or that right through to one of my students won the state championships at Goulburn at Linton. These moments are just second to none. They really are. So it's whether it's you being a rider 
that, you know, someone like, I remember one time Wayne Reekhoff said, gee, that's a really nicely educated horse. Who did that? <laughs> Me, that he was an open class racehorse when I first sat on his back, mm. you know, and that was Lord Oscar. And he went on to win at Scone in the two-star, you know. So those moments, it just makes it all worthwhile. It really does. Stop. I need to interrupt this chat for a hot-off-the-press notification. That is, that the latest version of the book, 101 Careers in the Horse Industry, is now available, and the best news is that it's a free download. So if you work in the horse industry... If you have a plan to work in the horse industry and have a career in the horse industry, or if you know someone who plans to have a career in this fabulous industry, then this is an essential book for you to read now and then keep as a reference as you progress through your career. With over 100 jobs to choose from, you'll probably find at least one that you'd happily do without being paid. So simply go to internationalhorsecollege.com, scroll down to the bottom of the page and click on the 101 careers in the horse industry button to receive your free career book imagine maybe one day you could be a guest on horse chats i'm going to take you back because one of the things we were talking about the core things that people need to commence a career with horses and you'd said about enjoyment of the job you know they've got to enjoy what they're doing because that makes you keep going it's not you know a brilliant lifestyle or it's not the money or anything else it's the enjoyment of the job which does turn into the lifestyle and then the proudest moment and just, you know, you said again about loving the job and I think that's something that, you know, I'm sort of hearing right through is that you really love what you're doing and that's why you keep doing what you're doing. Yeah. Absolutely. I guess a good measure of that is when people ask my husband about me and about what I do and they go, oh, she's really passionate and he goes, no, 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 she's obsessed. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, he knew right from the get-go that that was part of the deal. You know, it was like, take me as I am. Yes. And, yeah, of course, you know, you love the people around you and you mould your life around them as well. You know, mm-hmm. you've mm-hmm. got to learn to, you know, balance is a beautiful thing. To yep. learn to find balance and appreciate the people around you. But it's definitely something that you you won't keep going and you won't endure the knocks unless you're really obsessed with what you're doing, <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah there's, yeah. there's definitely, you know, and, and if it's a lower level, you know, if, if it's a Sunday rider or someone that just wants to achieve their goals just starting out, you know, if you're not absolutely loving the good times about it, mm. then mm, you might pick up a different sport yep, <laughs> because, yep. you know, that's what keeps you enduring the tougher times. Even something as basic, you know, or I shouldn't say basic, that's a bad word, but as, you know, your rider gets to the stage where they want to learn how to ride the horse on the bit. Mm. And I always stop them right there and go, are you sure you want to learn this? <laughs> <laughs> you could just like ride around, you know, off the bit forever, you know, <laughs> and really enjoy what you're doing. Yep. Or if you really, really want to learn how to ride the horse correctly on the bed, be ready because it's going to be the single most frustrating thing you'll ever learn to do. Mm, mm, mm. <laughs> so if they're not really enjoying their horse yep. and they don't love their horse dearly and give the horse the respect he deserves, and then I think, you know, it's got to be about the horse. Yes. I have some 
excellent helpers that work with me. You know, they're wonderful people that work with me and they do all the the bits that I would need four of me to be able to do. And we always agree, we are here for the horses. (laughs) They're not there for me. They're not working in my facility for me, my complex for me. They're working there for horses. And while ever it's like that, everybody's happy. Yep. Yep. Yeah. How many as horses? As soon as that you... changes, it doesn't work. Yeah. How many horses do you have in work? Tell me a bit about that. Okay. So my horses all come and go because it is a training facility. There's no spelling. There's no adjustment as such. Mm-hmm. It's all just a horse will come in to work and do a piece of training, and then they'll return home. I only have one or two that are what we you would say permanent in work training under me full time students with their horses mm-hmm. all the other students and horses come and go i i own six in my last count the other day i had up to 13 on my place <laughs> as i say horses coming and going doing different pieces of work at the moment at home there's 10 okay i guess that for us that keeps us very busy where yes. you know we're, we're, there's no idle time and what about the staff you have? What jobs do they have or what, what do they do? Well, I have two wonderful ladies that are seniors that do all the feeding, mucking out, you know, all the groom work, yep. you know, like your strapper or like your groom. And then I've just recently taken on one junior and she can do those similar types of jobs. She's also a little bit handy with the horses, so she could do a little bit of schooling on the lunge. I do a lot of schooling on the lunge with my horses, and she can also do a little bit of riding for me, so just to spread me a little further. And I also have a wonderful yard man. You know, we all need a little bit of brute force and muscle in our crew. And he he does all the handyman stuff that we don't have the tools or the know-how to get mm-hmm. to to do that. So, yeah, he fixes fences and helps when the lights go bung in the shed and you, he'll fix them and, you know, all we, you miss to fix it and yep. he's wonderful. Good, good. And that's just our little crew and I try not to get it to be too big and extensive. Yep. As I say, they're all there because, you know, we're all there because we enjoy being there. Mm. It's not for the monetary value. It's just because we enjoy doing what we're doing. Yep. And I have in the past paid people. Mm-hmm. And I found that the tune changes very swiftly. It's not nearly as, uh, you know, I guess the same attitude among the camp yep. as yep. when, you know, people are just they're there because they like being there. Yes, yes. Yeah, yep. it's wonderful. Yeah, no one's married to the job then. Mm. If someone wants a day off, you know, they have a day off. Yep. But it's just amazing how, you know, they will work themselves to the bone. I'll actually say to them, look, make sure you back off a bit, you know. <laughs> <laughs> They're amazing. They have that drive and that grit and that toughness and they not lazy. All of those ingredients that we talk about, they yes. have it. Yes, mm. yeah, yeah. I think um, lazy, it's not the right place for a lazy person, is it, being in the horse industry? Mm-mm. No. No, definitely not. I always say there's no idle time. (laughs) You know, even my students, like my students are not allowed to come in and just stand there. Mm, mm, Not a doctor's waiting room. Yep, yep. (laughs) Get out and do something. (laughs) 
Oh, hang on a sec. Let me interrupt to let people know about the horse industry qualifications at onlinehorsecollege.com. If you have a look at the flexible options, there's online theory with practical components that can be completed by video or with a qualified expert in your area. That website again is onlinehorsecollege.com. Thanks. I, I want you to put on your coach's cap and think about a problem that you see with your students and talk about how to fix it as well. Just a common problem oh. that you see, you know, and this is something for people just to give them something if they're aspiring coaches or if they're students and they've got this problem, what would you say to them? I think probably the thing that you see often, and I think it gets disguised often, is focus. Okay. You know, or it gets, it get, you know, like it gets kind of swept under the carpet, but it, you know, it gets missed. I think when you're not fully focused on the job at hand, that's when the nerves creep in. That's when mistakes happen. That's when you forget to do something that you should have done. I think it's important to walk, you know, as soon as you walk through that front gate of the stables, you've got to try really hard to clear your head and focus on your horse and make it all about your horse. People forget to leave all the baggage at the gate and so they walk in with their baggage and then they spread that all over their horse, you yeah. know, and they wonder why the horse gets upset and it all goes wrong or they forgot a piece of gear or they forgot to do something, you know. It's really important that you walk in the gate and it's no longer about you, it's about your horse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fully focus on your horse and just make, you know, that whether it's just an hour a day, it's about your horse. Yep. And I think when you do that, it's so therapeutic for you. Mm. Mm. It's the best therapy you'd ever come across. But I think that's something that people miss. And I think then they get on their horse and they've carried all their baggage onto their horse and then suddenly they're nervous. <laughs> and I mean, you know, things fall apart because of what they carry in. Yep. And so, yeah, that's probably my... Thing that I notice okay. often, I try to notice that, yeah, and I try to remind people of that. Yep. Yeah. Yep. When they're when they're with their horses, yeah. Okay. All right. What about a book? Do you have a book that you'd recommend to complement people's riding coaching skills? Yes. And I'm not even a reader, <laughs> but I will read something that I really, really, really want to know. And this book was passed down to me from Mr. Labus. Mm-hmm. It's called Horses Are Made to Be Horses. It's by Franz Moringa. Yeah. Now, it was actually written after Franz passed. It's actually all Franz's notes compiled mm-hmm. by someone else. Um, and, I think, um, yeah, I'll just interrupt there because I think one of the people that, that did that was Ron Patterson and he was an earlier guest. So you might want to listen to his episode to sort of... Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that'd be awesome. Yeah, yeah I will. Yeah. But yeah. it is, it's a great so book. Yeah. It is a great book. And, and because it's Franz's notes, it's actually quite difficult to, you, you know, you find yourself reading a piece two and three times over Yeah. to really grasp the message. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, I think even so much is said in just the title of the book and that it sort of gets back to the you know, why we're there in the first place. It's because we love horses. Yep, yep. Mm. All right. What What are you looking forward to now? Well, I guess for me, I'm in a really good place at the moment. You know, I life's great. Life's good. really great. And I've endured ups and downs 
And um, so I guess you only know when life's great when you have hit rock bottom in the past. And so, yeah, at the moment, I've got the best support network and a really beautiful bunch of students under me. And I've got my coaches that keep guiding me. And even, you know, Chris, if I need to know something, I just, I'm in contact with Chris Burton and he's in England and he's, he'll answer me straight away. That's good. You know, I'm just so lucky, you know, I, I, for me, it's so fortunate. So for me, I don't want to change a whole lot. Yep. I want what we're doing right now to last for a while. Mm-hmm. And I think that in itself might just get me to creep forward to my goals that I've always had sitting in the back of my mind, which I guess if I was to be as bold as voice a couple of them, it would be <laughs> one that, you know, I do want to crack the code of being a three-star rider, mm-hmm. you know, to ride around two-star and two-star and two-star, and you can taste three-star on all these two-star <laughs> horses. <laughs> you can just taste it and then it just doesn't quite get there. So I do want to crack that code. I do want to ride at Adelaide. Okay. Very, you know, like, and each year, same thing. Like, I think, oh, it might not be this year, you know, because something unfortunate might happen through the year. Like, this year, my horse cracked his heel. Mm-hmm. So I, he's had a year off, you know. <laughs> he's just come back into work now. So you think, oh, I'm going to be pushing it to get him to Adelaide now. You know? <laughs> so these sorts of things. But I think if I keep going on the note that I'm going on, mm. uh, we might crack those codes, you know, mm. and one day when I'm getting older and had a little bit, you know, maybe a bit stiff and sore to go three-star, then I might want to be a, a level three coach. Yep, good, good. Well, I keep thinking back of the persistence with Charchi and the, the 10 years, you know, that's the sort of persistence and determination you need, so you're well and truly on the right track. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thanks, right. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> Julianne, how can people contact you? Probably the best way for me is is written because yep. I just teach and write all day, every day, and, and I get to my, you know, 10 o'clock at night and read all my messages. So, yep, yep. So um, text or email? My email, yeah, yep. ja yep. at equestrianlessons.com.au. Yep. Yeah. All right, we'll do that. And we'll put those on your show notes page, which is at horsechats.com slash Julianne Humphreys. And um, we'll make sure all those contact details are available for you there too. All right, look, it's been wonderful talking to you today. I think it's been really good. I think, you know, sometimes there's a theme all the way through and I just think, you know, you like you talk about the great team, you're very passionate about what you're doing, you're loving what you're doing. And I think you just, you know, you're seeing the good in everything, which is wonderful to hear. So, yeah, good luck with it all. And I hope to catch up with you again soon. Oh, thank you very much, Glenna. Okay. Really appreciate it. <laughs> okay. Talk to you later. Bye. Will do. Bye now. If you've enjoyed this chat, then please comment, rate and subscribe. If you'd like any changes or recommendations for guests, then please contact us through horsechats.com. And while you're online, have a look at the government-accredited courses at internationalhorsecollege.com. Registered Training Organisation 31352. Remember that our comments and instructions are general in nature and do not take into consideration your individual horses or your individual ability and circumstances. If you enjoyed this podcast, then please leave your comment below 